So our plan for today will be, first, I'll share some biblical teaching for the first half on money. We'll go through the topics here in the white pamphlet. And then we'll pause for a brief Q&A. The colored sheets are for you to write down your questions. So you can write down your name and phone number and questions you have. Because I don't think we'll have time to answer all the questions. But we'd love to follow up with you after on whatever questions you have. Or maybe later also in this retreat we can chat more on what questions you have related to money. Um, then we'll plan to break out into small groups so you can chat a little bit about what you learned. And then regroup at the end for free free count. And so yeah, so today we'll be talking about the topic of money. So I have a question for you all. Who of you guys have seen this before? Has anyone seen a, a Durham before or used one? Or a tin Durham bill? Yeah, yeah. Well, pretty much everyone has seen Durham's or cash or used them because we need it to buy stuff. You know, money is used everywhere, so much so that some people say, like, money is what makes the world go round. And, you know, we all need to know how to manage our money well. And this applies to everyone. This applies to singles, to married couples, to young adults, to the elderly. And that's what we want to look at today. How can we manage our money wisely in a way that's honoring to God. And in scripture is where the scripture defines for us what does it look like to use our money in a way that honors the Lord. In God's word, we see that Jesus talks a lot about money. He says, you cannot serve God in money. And so we need God's help so that we can use our money to serve him and not become servants of money. For, for me, I have especially felt the need for God's help with money in the last month as I start to think more ahead to expecting a baby boy in April, as many of you know. We're very excited about a baby, our baby boy coming, though I confess I've gotten stressed some as I start to think about how will it work financially? You know, Lord willing, we'd like my wife to stay at home to care for our precious baby, which that would be lower income, though we know also we'll have added expenses to care for the baby. So our financial weather forecast is lower income, more expenses. <laughs> so what should I do? Where should I turn for wisdom? I can turn to God's word and the church for wisdom. You know, Turn to God's word in the church for wisdom on money. You know, if there's one thing I would like you to remember from the session, it's that. You know, today we'll have three main topics, which are shown in your handout. So first, turn to God's word for wisdom. Which we'll look at why is it so important that we go to God's word for wisdom on money. Then we'll look at biblical stewardship. What does the Bible say? about how we should use our money, and then how the church can help us grow in wisdom as we use our money. All right, well, let's pray to go to the Lord for his help as we look at these topics. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for how you have provided for us so abundantly all we need for life and godliness and we thank you for your word, which is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training us in righteousness. And we pray that you would teach us through your word today. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So we'll look at the first topic. <coughs> Turn to God's word for wisdom. So the Bible has a lot to say about money. We've seen that even in our recent sermons, like when Brian preached on John 12, we saw the contrast between generous Mary and stealing Judas, who stole from the money bag. Or when Mark preached, Proverbs 1, you had the people 
who are saying, come get rich with us and join us in our evil deeds. And even in my Bible reading plan this year, I keep seeing passage and passage in Genesis and Matthew and Acts, all that reference money or possessions. And such as Matthew 6, where Jesus exhorts us to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven and not on earth. Where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. So praise God. He's provided us an abundance of wisdom in his word for how we can manage our money in a way that's pleasing to him. So as you read the Bible and you see passages related to money or resources, stop and think, how could this apply to me? And pray for God's help for how you can learn from the stories in the Bible to manage money in a way that is pleasing to God. Why should we turn to God and his word for wisdom? You may be thinking, what about all the books out there that you can find today? Or the online resources? Or the financial advisors? Many of these can be very useful resources. But they're not the best resource on money. God's word is our primary best source of wisdom for money. These other resources should be secondary. And there are many reasons for this and why we should turn to God's word for wisdom. We'll look at three today, which are in your handout. The first one is God is trustworthy. God never lies. So what his word says about money is true. You can trust it. And you know, Psalm 119 says, for example, the sum of your word is truth and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Meanwhile, point number two is the world will lead us astray. The Bible warns a lot about money. And, you know, we cannot serve God in money. But if we're not careful, the world may ensnare us. As it says in 1 Timothy, to fall into temptation into a snare, into senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils and have led some people to wander from the faith, even. We must beware of falling in love with money and possessions. For they lead to death if we fall in love with them. God's word can protect us from falling into this snare. A third reason we should turn to God's word for wisdom is the gospel motivates us. The gospel motivates us in how we spend our money, and it also motivates us to seek God's help, to spend it in a way that pleases him. In the gospel, in the Bible, we see in Genesis 1 that God owns it all. He's the creator. He's the provider. We see in Job, God says, Who has first given to me? That I should repay him. Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. Every good and perfect gift we have comes from God. And God has entrusted man to be his steward of creation. We see that at the beginning of Genesis. Entrusted man to rule over his creation and to care for it. And so everything we have, money, possessions, resources, God has entrusted to us to steward, to watch over, and to use for godly purposes. But we all have rebelled. We, like God, have sought to be our own masters, to use money and resources for our own pleasure. And this is sinfulness, rebelling against God, our master. But praise be to to God that he sent Jesus Christ to die for us, for our sin and rebellion and rose to the grave that we can have life in him. You know, everyone who turns from their sin and trust in Christ is saved. And what Christ did for us changes everything. It totally changes our view on money. As Christians, our motivation on how to spend our money is different from the world's. The world desires to get rich. But the true Christian desires to show how rich God has been towards us. Our treasure is Christ, 
We cannot serve both God and money, so we gladly choose God. The world trusts in their wealth, in their resources to save them, but we trust in our God for salvation and provision. Thus, we want godly wisdom and not worldly wisdom on money. For the world can lead us astray to seek to be rich for our own pleasure, but we want godly wisdom to help us to use our money in a way that ultimately glorifies God and honors Him. So what do the scriptures say on how to use our money in a way that's pleasing to the Lord? We'll look at that next. Before we look at that, just a reminder, if you think of questions, you can write them on the sheet. So if you've thought of any so far, you can write those down. Alright, so next we'll look at biblical stewardship. And we'll look at three main topics related to biblical stewardship. There's lots we could say related to biblical stewardship. But for today, we'll look at planning, giving, and saving, which are three important topics. So, at a high level, what is biblical stewardship? Biblical stewardship is faithfully using the money and resources that God has provided for us according to his instructions and his word. Jesus emphasizes the importance of faithful stewardship. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells the parable of a rich man who goes on a journey, and before he goes, he gives his three servants different sums of money to take care of. Upon his return, the master noticed that two of the servants worked hard and doubled their money, while the third just did nothing. And the master rewarded the first two and rebuked the third one and cast them out. Like the rich man in this parable, God has given us, each of us, custody of money and possessions to care for and to use for his glory. And he wants us to use those resources for good. And he's coming back. And we'll have to give an account for the money and resources that he's placed in our care. God cares deeply for how we use our money and resources. And we should too. So, we'll look at one, the first important piece of biblical stewardship in your handout, which is planning. God's word gives us guidance as we plan and prioritize for how we should spend our money. As my wife and I prepare to care for our baby boy, we've been thinking a lot about priorities. What should we spend our money on? And God's word can help us prioritize. And for you, in whatever situation you're in right now, whether you're single or married, God's word can help you prioritize and plan what should you put your money and resources to. There are a few important pieces of planning. One is knowing where you are. So you see in Proverbs 27, 23, it says, Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. We need to have an understanding of what resources we have. How many resources do we have currently? How much are we going to be earning each month? What needs do we have each month? It's a very important first step of planning. After that, we need to look ahead. As Proverbs 27, 12 says, A sensible person sees danger and takes cover. The inexperienced keep going and are punished. We should look ahead for upcoming expenses we know of or upcoming expenses that might come up unexpectedly or potential dangers along the road. The Bible warns us against presuming the future. We see that in James 4.16, against assuming that everything will work out just fine. You can assume the future about many things, uh, but one common error is assuming for sure that you'll keep your job. You know, don't expect for sure 
that your job will remain the same for the next year. We don't know that. Only God does. And especially in Dubai, it's so common for jobs to come and go and to be hard to find again. So it's wise to plan ahead for the chance of what if you do lose your job and need to look for another one. I would recommend keeping at least three to six months worth of money and savings available for in case you lose your job and need to look for another one. And if you have a family, it could be wise to have more than that. <clears throat> this is one example where saving applies, and we'll be talking more about saving in a bit. A second common error or assumption that is made is related to debt. That, you know, I can get in debt and it'll be easy to get out. But debt is dangerous. And can be very harmful. So beware of debt. You should be very careful before taking any debt. And it's wise to talk to other members, to talk to other people before deciding to take on debt. If you feel trapped in debt, come talk to us or one of the elders, and we'd love you to help you think through that and to help you come up with a plan to get out of it. For you, are you prepared for unforeseen financial challenges that you might face? Like losing a job or if your car breaks down? Look ahead and plan for to prepare for potential dangers. A third important piece of planning is budgeting. So budgeting involves planning how much to spend on what things or categories. Faithful stewardship involves not just hiding resources, but using those resources for good. We saw that in Matthew 25 with the talents, where the two were rewarded for using it and getting more versus the one was condemned for just hiding it. So we do want to use our resources as well and plan what to spend it towards. There are different things that are good to plan to spend it towards, such as giving or meeting daily needs, food, water, meeting long-term needs, such as housing, rent, in the future, utility bills, and saving for the future. We must have priorities, for we cannot spend money on everything. One key to financial success is spending less than you earn. You know, we all have limited resources, so saying yes to one thing is saying no to a dozen other things. You know, spend less than you earn each month, and you'll avoid many dangers. And so have a plan for what you want to spend your money on each month. So what is your plan for how to use your financial resources? Do you have a plan? If you don't have a plan, take time to plan and talk to someone else, an elder or another brother you trust, about your plan. If you do have a plan, how do the priorities of your plan or budget compare to the priorities in God's Word? All right. If you have any questions, again, Q&A card. I'm jotting down. All right. Next, we'll look at giving. So, as God has been so generous to us, we too should be generous. There are different types of giving, such as giving to other people in need or giving to the church. Our first priority in giving should be giving to the to the Lord by giving to your local church. So Proverbs 3, verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. We should give God the first fruits or the first portion or allotment of our money and possessions. How we use our money reflects our heart. Or you could say, Show me a man's expenses. 
<coughs> or bank account history, and I'll tell you his priorities. I realized this recently when I went to Italy, and we went to this museum that was a bank library museum. And it was a library that had financial transactions from hundreds of years ago. And this library had thousands and thousands of transactions. And what they did is they used that historical financial data to show and tell people stories. Sell stories of their marriages, their business pursuits, their elaborate parties. And these financial records showed what these people in the past really cared about and were pursuing. Likewise for us, our financial transactions and purchases reveal what is important to us. What story does your bank account history tell? Do you give God your first fruits or the leftovers? How does your giving to the Lord reflect your love for Christ and his precious bride, the church? For giving to the church, you can give online or in the offering bag when it is passed around. Either is fine. For me, practically, I give online automatically so that it deducts each month. That helps make sure, for me, that I'm not tempted to use the money elsewhere. But it deducts automatically and those first fruits go to the Lord. How much should we give? Under the law of Moses in the Old Testament, it was 10%. But now, under grace through Christ, there's no minimum required amount. Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 9 that each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God cares more about our heart as we give than the specific amount. So as you give, give cheerfully. Give with a cheerful heart, for God loves a cheerful giver. As Christ laid down his life for you, gladly lay down your life and your money for him. Do that by first giving to your local church, and secondly, by giving through other means as well, such as giving to those in need, or by being hospitable and hosting people, and being willing to sacrifice to do that. As God says in his word, it's more blessed to give than receive. Alright, so we covered planning and giving. Now we'll look at saving. So the Bible teaches us the wisdom of planning, as we touched on before, and it specifically talks about the wisdom of planning for the future and looking ahead. So Proverbs says, for example, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It stores up its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Proverbs teaches that it is wise to store up, whereas the fool devours all he has. So we see that savings is a means God has provided for us to help enable us to provide for the future. Don't ignore savings, which is one of the means that God has provided us for provision, but instead save trusting in the Lord. Saving is allocating money to use for a specific goal or purpose to glorify God. That's biblical savings. We should save purposely. So this involves not assuming everything will be just fine, but also planning for potential setbacks. Uh, But it also involves saving for specific larger purchases or expenses you would like to make in the future, such as saving for college, for you or for your kids so they can go to college, uh, saving for a home or a car. (coughs) It's wise often to save for these larger things that can be a blessing for others. But beware of saving without any purpose in mind, for you could be hoarding, which we'll touch on in a bit. How much should you save? It depends on your goal and how much you can afford. 
A helpful biblical principle is in Proverbs 13.11. Whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Whoever gathers or saves it up little by little makes it grow. When I started working about 10 years ago, I started setting aside money little by little towards retirement, towards when I grow old and I can't work anymore. And it's amazing, over, even over the last decade, to see it grow. <coughs> As you save, you know, 100 dirhams can become 1,000 to 10,000 and more by God's grace over time. As you save little by little. While saving, we must beware of hoarding, which the Bible warns against. Hoarding is accumulating more wealth than you need or will use. Hoarding is sin, for it's accumulating money without a God-glorifying purpose in mind. And the hoarder and the saver can look very similar, both saving money for the future. But one saves trusting in his wealth. The hoarder saves trusting in his wealth for the future, while the other saves trusting in his God. That's biblical saving. Saving trust while trusting that ultimately your God is the one that will provide for you. Proverbs 11.28 says, Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. In all your stewardship and savings, trust in your heavenly Father and provider. And when saving, also seek help from others who can help make sure that you're saving in a God-honoring manner and not hoarding. Or saving unwisely. So for you, how are you saving for the future? For your future and the future of your family? Don't spend your full paycheck each month. But after giving, be like the wise man. Who saves his money little by little and makes it grow. One other topic related to savings, semi-related to savings, is investing. So after giving, after savings, investing can be a helpful next step, which is similar to savings, but setting aside money towards something that you want to grow. Uh, like in Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, we see that you know the two go invest the talent and get double their money and are commended. So there are lots of considerations related to investing that we don't have time for today. But if you have questions related to investing, write those down on the sheet. Or come talk to us and we'd be happy to talk to you more about investing. So those are three important things for biblical stewardship, for how we should use our money wisely. And so now we'll turn to our, our third topic today, which is turning to the church for wisdom. Why we should turn to the church for wisdom and how the church can help us. So the Bible talks a lot about the wisdom in seeking counsel. Proverbs 11 says, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Without counsel, we are prone to make mistakes. We all have blind spots, and having additional eyes can help us point out dangers on the road ahead, or routes we can take. Though it matters where we get our counsel, bad counsel leads astray. For example, in Proverbs 1, which Mark preached on, the evildoers were saying, come join with us. Come join us in our evil works to get rich and we'll fill our houses with treasures. But in, in their very lives were taken from them. We need godly counsel who can help share godly wisdom and not worldly wisdom. And what better place to find that than in the local church the church is the team or the family that God has provided for us to enable us to learn how to use our money wisely and to work together 
to be godly stewards of what God has entrusted to us. In a healthy local church, we can find godly counsel to guide us in how to spend our money. The church helps us in many ways. One, it points us to biblical truths. It teaches us how to understand God's word and how to help us live it out. Two, it reminds us of what is true. We're also prone to forget, but the church helps remind us of the truth in God's word. A third reason the church helps us is that we can see godly examples for how to spend our money wisely. We can see examples of what does it look like to put this theory into practice. Our elders are a great example for us. I've been so encouraged by the elders and learning from your examples, I think. Seeing how you all and the other elders are so generous and hospitable. You know, they open their homes, hosting, sacrificing money and resources to do that regularly. And they provide well for their families. Our elders are not stingy, but they're not extravagant either, buying the fanciest cars or seeking to get rich for personal pleasure. Look to the elders and other godly members to learn from their examples for how to use money wisely. In the church, this is also where gospel friendships, which we're talking about this weekend, really come into play as well. Friendships are where we can go deeper to know each other and to encourage one another in our specific situation. And in those friendships are where we can hold each other accountable. You don't need to share with everyone, but it's helpful to have at least one or two close friends at church who you can open up about your finances and can help you think through them as you think through different financial decisions. Are you being open about your financial situations with close friends at Covenant Hope? If not, why not? Who is someone at Cove Hope that you trust, that you could open up with? Take advantage of this great gift and blessing of the church community which God has provided for us to help you grow. When you go to others for advice or help, open up and be transparent about the details and the specific numbers so they can best help you. And when people come to you for help, be gentle and kind as they open up to you. For my wife and I, we'd love to learn from you all, our church family, especially for the married folks, to learn from your wisdom and to hear your advice as well. In conclusion, as to wrap up the this section, what financial decision or dilemma are you facing? Have you lost a job? Are you looking for a job? Are you stuck in debt? Are you considering where to live or where to invest your money in? Turn to God and his church for wisdom with whatever situation or financial decisions you're facing with. And remember the gospel. Let the gospel motivate you to be free and generous with your money, which God has entrusted to you, to use for God's pleasure and glory. Let's pray to close this, this part. Any volunteer to pray for these things we talked about? Josue, would you be sure. up for praying? Yeah. Awesome. That's great. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you uh, for all the gifts um, you give to us, Lord. Um, we praise you uh, because none of the gifts compare with the, the gift of salvation we have in Jesus Christ. Uh, we praise you that you blessed us through Jesus Christ and uh, you are a good uh, gift giver, Lord. And you give us um, money and resources, Lord. We thank you for that. We pray that you would help us, Lord, to be faithful and good stewards of these resources, Lord. Uh, we pray that you help us to um, um, manage it 
it in a God-honoring way, in a godly mm -hmm. way, Lord. Help us to grow as a church, Lord, uh, that we can have accountability and that uh, we can be open up, Lord. Um, and uh, if there is any evil way, Lord, we pray that uh, your mercy would rescue us uh, uh, through the help of our, our brothers, Lord. Uh, we pray that uh, you help us in, that, in this exercise so that we can bring glory to your name as disciples of Jesus um, and for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Josue. All right, so we can now do a brief Q&A. So reflect, think of what questions you have. You can write them on the sheet that you have, and then we can answer some of them. And then once you have your question, you can like hand in your sheet if you have a question. Um, one question we had was on investing versus gambling. Because investing can be risky. And yeah, that's where there's a lot of wisdom needed. Because in investing, there are, there are a lot of dangerous things out there. And that's why... Even thinking financially, it's best to be giving regularly first, saving, and then after that, investing. Because in some ways, depending on what you're investing in, you might realize that you might not get that money back. So you want to do research on whatever you're investing in to make sure you know about it. You don't want to invest in something that you don't understand or you don't have confidence that it's going to do is it, that it's a good investment worth your, worth the money. Yeah. Can I add to that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that uh, with investing is the motive behind investing. You mm -hmm. want to invest money because of what? Is it mm -hmm. the greed of having more money in your possession, that money is power, something like that? Or is it something to, to provide for the future, for your family? It's not mm -hmm. wrong to provide for your children by doing like, for example, if I have a child was four years old, I want to invest in money, I would like to put an education fund whereby the child will grow, uh, 18 years old will have the college fund ready for him. That's yeah. investing wisely. Yeah. But if I want to have, like, if I want to buy a house property, if I want to put in a fund that will increase for my retirement, that's investing. Mm -hmm. But the motive behind it, is it biblical mm -hmm. or is it, is it to, to, mm -hmm. to make, your, make your financial value higher? Yeah. Gambling mm -hmm. tends to be where you want to take a risk and presume but not let me put money here, mm. it might be giving me three folds. When I don't need the three folds, I just need to have what God provides me. Mm -hmm. Enough to not profane his name at the same time. This is what the Bible teaches us. Mm. So be careful when you think of investing, what is the motive? Think it as you said rightly. Talk to the church members. I want mm -hmm. to invest in this. Is it good for my heart? Mm -hmm. So yeah. Thanks, Frank. Yeah. That's all right. So one question, how do, does one differentiate between saving and hoarding? It's a great question. I think one is like what you're trusting in. Like am I saving, trusting that this is what's going to save me and provide for me? Or am I saving, trusting that like I'm saving to be faithful to the Lord, but at the same time trusting ultimately it's God that's going to provide for me. And then I think a second is like, are you saving for a specific purpose? Like, okay, I want to save for you know six months worth of money so that if I lose my job, I know that I have six months to look for a job. Or are you just saving a random amount of savings without having thought through like the specific potential needs for that saving? Would be two, I think, considerations for that one. Yeah. I also like it. Can, can I maybe just ask yeah. a further question yeah. to that? Maybe yeah. prompt a little thinking. Yeah, because I think it's a it's a great point. 
Yeah. There's a difficult line between the two. And we try yeah. to push it whichever is convenient to us. Right. And yeah. so the, the question I would have here is, in the event that you do have savings or whatever per your points, mm -hmm. and then the, the, the intangible that's good, right? Mm -hmm. And there's money set aside if you go three, six months mm -hmm. or whatever it might be, so that in the mm -hmm. event that there is an issue, blah, 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 you have some mm -hmm. savings or whatever. In the event that there is someone that is in need, Mm. of greater need than you, and you've covered all the savings and the giving mm. of that correctly, with the right intent, and then you do have savings as well, mm. for a rainy day, say. Yeah. But there's someone that is in greater need for cash, right? And, and let's talk more personally within the church, mm. right? How do you deal with that? Would you then be, should you be in a position to say, you know what, there is this, for a rainy day, do we not dip into that rainy day savings and start utilizing that for people that are in a greater need? Mm -hmm. That's a question, best opposed to a comment. It's a great question. I think there's wisdom depending on the situation. Uh, I think we should always be open that God may call us to use our money in a way we didn't originally <coughs> plan for. Um, though, like, it, I think it's a wisdom call. I don't know if there's a great answer. Like first thinking through, is the person in need, is it helpful to give to them? Or were they in need because of their own mistakes or other reasons why maybe helping them wouldn't actually help them? First thinking through like, is really giving to them the best thing? And if it is, then there's a wisdom call on whether it's worth, you know, giving from your savings or like, whether it's better to keep that in case something happens so you can care for your family. I think one thing I do is I try to set aside money specifically for benevolence so that I have it available for if someone else is in need. So I have like separate savings for... This is for our family in case an emergency happens, and then this is money I want to set aside so that if a need arises in the church, I have that available to give to someone. So that can be one helpful way, like to like set aside money for both so you can help while not being like too legalistic about it, I guess. Yeah. And this other point you raised about consulting with the elders. That's, that's also a good point because elders actually elders. know the yeah. position and we can uh, always consult them at this at this point. That's great, yeah. I think that's great maybe, maybe to add to that, mm -hmm. I would have thought that because if, as you, in your example, is mm -hmm. pointing to the closest mm -hmm. of the church, there is a church benevolence fund, there is a benevolence community that already exists. While I think in some cases, this, because there are certain relationships, it's going to be a lot more personal and friendships within the church where you might have those kind of needs personally known to you. I think as Bryce part of for us or something like that, there's a certain part of our income that we would actually contribute towards the benevolence fund of the church. So there's, within the church, at least if there are urgent needs, then we can be found through that ministry as well. That's true. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate, Bryce, you said that it's helpful to ask the question, is this person's only option to receive money from me or someone else? Is there, are there other options for this person? Uh, that's one question. Do they have family members that could help them, for example? The scriptures are very clear that we should help family members uh, and take care of them first in priority um, but so that's a question but I wonder also too if it's helpful to think about um, was what created the need for the person mm -hmm. was it foolish decisions on the part of that person mm -hmm. which isn't necessarily a reason why we shouldn't help them mm -hmm. but it seems as though it should be taken into account mm -hmm. um and, um, yeah, or, or were there, I mean, you know, sometimes they just lose their job and it's not mm. from their undoing or no. there's some other type of catastrophe that happens. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, something that's completely yeah. unexpected. That's different than foolishness mm. that's yeah. happened. Just, I don't know, if, mm. just to add, mm. um, sometimes it's a question of battle with conscience. Mm -hmm. 
um, sometimes we set aside money for benevolence and then we have our own personal savings and then uh, the benevolence savings we had have been exhausted and then we have a critical demand from another person that will feel that if I can inconvenience myself, mm -hmm. I might still be able to manage. Mm -hmm. Because I've had situations like this before, mm -hmm. where, where someone has a need, and then I have some savings, mm -hmm. and then it becomes more of morality conscience mm -hmm. sake, and I need to ask myself, should mm -hmm. I go ahead and help or not? Mm -hmm. So it might not be something that has to do with the church fund, because mm -hmm. this is more like a discretionary uh, mm -hmm. giving. Mm. that you want to support maybe based on mm. your relationship with the person. Mm. So so sometimes you might, in that instance, I might go ahead and support the person. Mm -hmm. uh, but in, in terms of my own uh, financial uh, mm -hmm. means, I might be able to support the person. Or sometimes I might put my savings, mm. maybe for the future, I might put them in some form of fixed deposit Mm -hmm. For the duration, so I have my, I have a kind of interest mm -hmm. on it. So when you come to me and ask for support, mm -hmm. I don't have the money, but I have a financial instrument that can that can maybe after a long period of time I can secure mm -hmm. my savings and also get some interest on it. Mm -hmm. So there are all kinds of how uh, yeah. I put it, man. There are all kinds of means to mm -hmm. manage demands from in terms of helping members mm -hmm. and also protecting your own future uh, comfort. Mm -hmm. Let me put it that way. That, uh, in order to be able to uh, spread the spread the liquidity, let me put it that way. Just, a, sorry, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a great topic and, mm -hmm. and I think there, there are probably multiple schools of thought on this. Mm -hmm. The only thing I would say from my perspective mm -hmm. is whatever you do is don't get into debt doing it. Oh, yeah. yeah, and yeah. To me, that's the, don't get into debt. Yeah, it's don't borrow money to get help. For me, that's else, the yeah. golden line. But but the reality yeah. is, to what you said in the opening yeah. talk, is everything is God's ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. So and that that's my view on it. And if yeah. someone is in need, as long as you don't put your family at risk, yeah. as long as you're not going into debt, my view would be if you really believe someone needs that money, whatever it might be, yeah. with all the things you've yeah. mentioned, right? As long as you're not going into debt. God, God will, um, in His control, in His nature, will take care of you. Not financially necessarily, yeah. like, but you will be cared for. But that's just my view on it. I think as long as you're not getting into debt, not putting your family at risk, and all those components, mm -hmm. I think we, my view would be, I'm prepared to take the extra step to the point of helping someone that is in desperate need, for example. Yeah. Just, just a view on it. I think those are good thoughts. Yeah, I mean, there's questions you can think through about the situation you can pray and think about your own conscience and also talk to others but their thoughts are all great um, one last point probably is, mm. is if someone comes to me and mm. I say okay, I need some funds uh, mm. if it's a church brother okay, I need to do something I will sit him down and tell him okay, mm. let's talk about what, what you have mm. what has been having, why this need has come up mm. but I want to see also what your income is yeah. because for all you know there may be a lot of Things in this spending, yeah. which is not needed, yeah, like feeding a cousin who's in good working, can, who can, can earn and be mm -hmm. independent. You know, and feeding yeah. families that are, don't deserve to be fed because mm -hmm. they are they're just like sponges on mm -hmm. you, or making unwise payments to people or for some reasons. So we can read out all those things and show them a mm -hmm. better perspective so they can manage their funds. Mm -hmm. And if then after that still. If, a proper review, the person is still is the need, definitely we can talk to the, to the benevolence committee, etc. Mm -hmm. And we can yeah. still have them, but I think it should be a, not a one-on-one, -on -one, even if it's a personal friendship, I think there should mm -hmm. be one other person overseeing that, or just involved, so that there's, mm -hmm. in the council of many, there's wisdom, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. Just to have that person, not necessarily mm -hmm. biblically, you know? Yeah. yeah. Alright, do you want to give you guys a few minutes to... I have a question. Yeah. No. Obviously, offering is there, but mm -hmm. what about expectation once it's given? How long do you give a time to a person who's been provided for? Can we have an expectation from the person who we have offered? Like, in a sense, if there's a difficult time that they're going through. Mm -hmm. There's also an aspect where, by good consciousness, the person needs to provide back during the good times as such. So is there a step or place where we need to take a time frame for it? Mm -hmm. 
I think, I guess, when you're giving someone money, the question is, are you giving it or is it a borrowing? Like sometimes yeah. I, like a friend may ask me, can I borrow this money? And then at that point, there may be like an expectation to get it back. If it's just like, I need some help, when I, when I give a person in that money, I don't expect it back. So I think it's more like during that giving period to be clear in communication on like what are your expectations if you have any. Um, and like if it is giving, like when I give someone as a <coughs> gift, then I don't expect it back. But if it's like a borrowing, like you're borrowing this, then I think it's fair to at least talk to the person on what type of time frame do you think you'd be able to give it back. Um, I don't know if that helps answer your question. Is it something that is given for and uh, you don't expect back from the concerned person? Usually for benevolence, yeah, it's a gift. Yeah. Yeah. It's always a gift. It's never a gift. You mean from the benevolence fund? Yeah, we don't loan money from that. Only gifts. But there are restrictions on what we give it away for. Yeah. A few books to give away. First, you may be wondering, like, you know, I shared in the, in the teaching that we should give to our local church, but I didn't expand that much on the why. But this book explains more, like, why you should give, why should I give to my church? I have three copies, if anyone wants one. Um, then this is a book that I read several years ago. Uh, actually before I moved to Dubai that kind of first starts with biblical principles for money and then kind of goes through different topics budgeting, investing saving, debt anyone interested? Okay. I need it okay. he's been waiting okay, cool cool um, I think I don't know how strict we are on time, but we can at least have you break into, let's say, just pairs, two or three, and think about the first question, first or second question on the back, to chat about those together. Um, these other questions would be good to throw out the retreat, or other times to, as reflection questions or discussion questions. So two or three, mm. groups of two or three.